Hi, this is Josh Jackson from WRTI. Dangerous Sounds is supported by Jazz Denmark, the Danish Ministry of Culture, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Danish Arts Foundation, the Augustinus Foundation, and the members of WRTI. It's dusk and late fall in Copenhagen. In the center of town, a young man steps out of an apartment building and onto the sidewalk, lights a cigarette and begins walking. He's dressed like he's from another era, black slacks, shiny shoes, a dark coat, and a small top hat. On his back is a saxophone case. It's a cold November evening downtown. The young man is 24-year-old Ollie Wallace, and he's walked the same route hundreds of times, through the old square, past the fountain with the statue of a stork, and down the street. I have butterflies in my stomach. It's still early, but the Christmas sales have already started, and a steady stream of pedestrian shoppers flow in and out of the stores. I smoke a lot of cigarettes before I go out and play. But Ollie, the sharply dressed 24-year-old from another time, isn't out shopping. He's on his way to the Paradise Jazz Club. Jazz is freedom, and that's what got me started. Jazz is what got me going It's what got me going on this journey. It gives me free reign. When I walk out the door, I can feel the excitement growing the closer I get to the venue. All right, so far we've covered more than a hundred years of Danish jazz history in this series. It was well over a century ago that Valdemar Eiberg got a hold of the saxophone that would set our whole story into motion, an adventure that continues today. Since the very beginning, jazz has led a tumultuous life. It's been shunned, slandered, mocked, and denigrated at every turn. But thankfully, it's also been loved, nurtured, and cared for so much that it's survived and developed and even thrived. Jazz has advanced, matured, and branched out in a myriad of ways, and today, it's respected as the revolutionary, ever-expanding, creative and expressive art form that it is. In this episode, we'll get to know three musicians, each with their own very different personalities, sounds and tastes, and each of whom works with jazz music in their own very unique ways. There are the younger musicians, some of whom are in the process of rediscovering and refining some of the older styles in jazz, 
and who make it their mission to play every single night. Det er mega meget lille stil. It's very much a lifestyle, and one I really identify with. There are those who work with jazz in higher education, people who create and apply new data and research how to further develop the genre into completely new forms and creative expressions. Jeg tror ikke, jeg er typen, der bygger fabrikken og sætter tingene i produktion. Jeg er egentlig mere interesseret i at udvikle den næste form. And then there are those who are dedicated to blowing it all up. Taking the so-called rules and reductive language reviewers use to describe jazz and blowing it into smithereens from the inside out. Artists who deconstruct the vocabulary and grammar of jazz and its sound, and who fundamentally challenge the use of jazz as a term and label. Jeg har ikke noget ønske om at lave musik, som er dejligt at have kørende i baggrunden. Det kan jeg simpelthen ikke se, hvorfor jeg skulle lave. Welcome to Dangerous Sounds. My name is Christian Oskold. We begin here, in the Paradise Jazz Club in Inner Copenhagen, on an early Thursday night. This is Ollie Wallace. I Ollie Wallace. I I was born in England, but I've spent most of my life here in Copenhagen. He's just unpacked his alto saxophone and is warming up for tonight's concert here with the Anders Fjellsted Sextet. I live as a jazz musician. And I've been doing that since I was 16. I'm 24 now. It's an evening like so many others, because for Ollie, jazz is work and requires daily attention and discipline, 24/7 and all year long. You have to play every night to keep yourself fresh and in shape. It's how Ollie lives and loves this music. He and a slew of mostly younger, like-minded jazz musicians in his crew are passionately drawn and dedicated to a specific sound and era of jazz history and everything that comes along with it. Ollie and his contemporaries play in all combinations every night at jazz clubs all over Copenhagen. Their week usually kicks off with a concert on Monday night at the White Lamb, a classic jazz dive bar and venue that also harkens back to another time. Mange af os der kommer på det hvide lam, hvad for en mandag det er. Sir Ram, who come to the White Lamb every Monday night. Felix Moser, Cornelia Nielsen, Jakob Arthur, Felix Moseholm, Rune Fø, Søren Høst, Jonas Du, Johannes Vamberg. I have to be sure I don't forget anyone. It's the best way to start the week. On Tuesday, there are gigs. On Wednesday, it's either the Seahorse or Christiania's Jazz Club. Thursday might be Paradise. Friday, there's Christiania again. Saturday, it's Galatea Kron. And on Sunday, it's La Fontaine. We'd like to uh, continue right now and 
For Oli, his introduction to jazz music begins at the library. I wanted to start listening to jazz because I had started playing the saxophone. So I went to the main library. We sincerely hope you enjoy a little and borrowed a bunch of jazz records and ripped them into my computer. Up-tempo minor blues, we call this one. I listened to some Louis Armstrong, but that music didn't really speak to me. Doing the thing. Then I heard Horace Silvers live at the village gate. It's a fast-paced hard bop record. And you can hear the audience going nuts for this music. There was a different energy than you hear on normal studio recordings. That's when I thought, this is what I really want to do. The recording had such a vibe to it, and, I'm not, and not just the music, it was all round. People in suits, glasses clinking around the room. I wanted to be one of the guys in there. Not necessarily even on stage, just hanging out in the back, smoking cigarettes. Ollie throws himself headfirst into bebop and begins to internalize its sounds, listening to recordings of masters, playing melodies and solos that will become part of his own vocabulary. There was so much stuff on YouTube. Everyone was saying, hey, have you seen this clip and that clip? I thought Charlie Parker was the craziest and I wanted to sound like him. So I listened to some of his solos, note by note. I listened so much that eventually I had a bit of him inside me. The thing is, there's only one John Coltrane and only one Charlie Parker. I think a lot of people eventually realize that, and I also figured out that I have to sound like me and not try to... I have to sound like myself and not try to play like everyone else. At MGK which is a kind of musical prep school program many young musicians take part in before attending the conservatory, Oli meets guitarist Johannes Vamberg. I was very conservative. For me, Charlie Parker and Bebop were the only right, correct and interesting thing to listen to. And Johannes was the same. We liked the same stuff, wanted the same things and became really good friends. We've always pushed each other. When we play together, I always play extra well. Check out what I learned, we often say to each other when we meet up and play. Then we also started loving ballads, good songs, and loved playing them together. Being in a room together playing a ballad at a super slow tempo. It was like the opposite of playing fast, muscle jazz, muscle music. We went into the studio and recorded some songs as a duo.
Så lavede vi Easy Living. Then we made Easy Living, our first record, recorded in 2016. other and make music together with interplay in a unique way. It's a feeling and sound that we strive for. When we're on the same musical wavelength, it's extremely satisfying. As if it was all planned, but it's not. For the two of them, jazz is a lifestyle. They are in the process of refining and navigating into the core of an older classic style and subgenre of jazz music. For all the members of this crew, bebop music is something they hear, feel and play with genuine heartfelt passion. They're completely captivated by it. Bebop speaks to them and they've learned to speak it as a language fluently. As we know, and as I've said many times, jazz is strong and potent stuff. It can be life-changing and life-threatening. It puts emotions front and center, and it demands full commitment. It's hard to name another art form or medium from any other era that compares with or offers the communicative magic found deep in the DNA of jazz music. I never think of it as old music. These young musicians are living it, breathing it, and keeping it alive. But it also sustains them at the same time in creative synergy. I play the music that comes out of the horn. Joy I get from hearing great music is something I want to pass on. So it's a mission. From Ollie Wallace and Johannes Wamberg and their crew of jazz romantics, we'll pivot and meet someone just slightly older, but who's doing something very different. Something of an oddity in this day and age, but truly unique in the whole history of Danish jazz. A composer who creates music where sounds, forms and styles are expanded beyond recognition, or perhaps completely blown to bits, to the extent that perhaps jazz isn't even the right word to describe what he does. The Danish Music Awards, 2015. At Copenhagen's Bremen Theatre, a packed house of jazz artists, organizers, critics and enthusiasts 
have gathered to honor and celebrate the best jazz recordings from the past year. Master Fat Man, MC for the evening, stands on stage in front of a burgundy-colored curtain holding a large envelope. He opens it and reads it aloud. And the winner for special release of the year is... Horse Orchestra. The room erupts in ferocious applause. Seven men appear on stage and proceed to bump into each other, the podium, and the MC. They're all having a hard time seeing anything, probably due to the masks they're wearing. Rubber horse head masks. One of the horses grabs the microphone, holds it up to a hole in the rubber mask, and gives a heartfelt acceptance speech straight from the horse's mouth. The man is Jeppe Zeberg. We would like to dedicate this award, this statute, to everyone in the world who plays music. It doesn't matter if it's people who belong to this meaningless combination category. Just everyone who plays good music. It doesn't matter, it has nothing to do with jazz. Just good music. Horse Orchestra, Death's Wardrobe, the absolute pinnacle of human achievement. These are just some of the bands that Jebe Seber is involved in. I have some musical values that I believe in. Music needs to be able to do something specific. But it can do that from within a lot of different genres and contexts. He's still in his early 30s, but has already thoroughly distinguished himself in Danish music as a dedicated, inspired and provocative risk-taker. I have no desire to make pleasant background music. It doesn't make any sense for me to do that. With Jeppe Seberg, We'll need to follow his example and get creative just to find the words to describe what he does. There are no tidy terms, no lovely labels that do his musical mission or body of work justice, because he's actively avoided any categoric convenience. He is, in his own words, simply a composer making music. 
Also Musik ist gut. I want music to be something else, a little different when I'm gone. Of course, just because he feels that the critics shouldn't apply clichés to describing his music doesn't mean that they haven't. I'm sitting here with a bunch of reviews. We are at Jeppe's apartment in the Copenhagen neighborhood of Nørrebro, in his study where he writes most of his music. One thing that's pretty consistent in a lot of them is language like Jeppe Seba is the kind of pianist who has mastered the entire history of jazz. Here's a review that says, as an artist, Yebisebe has chosen all of jazz history as his playground. I have in no way chosen jazz, jazz history or the tradition. I've just chosen to play music. He flips through them and shares some highlights, articles that glowingly celebrate his one-of-a-kind musicality. A furiously skilled technician, the flow of ideas is almost inexhaustible, which is nice and fair enough, and not what I want to complain about. And now back to. When frolicking through solos, he can play everything from Art Tatum and Errol Garner to Cecil Taylor, maybe a bit like Jackie Byard or Django Bates, without it seeming artificial in any way. I'm very flattered because it's really a nice review, but it's simply not true. I can't play everything from Art Tatum and Errol Garner to Cecil Taylor. That idea that I should be or am able to master it all is misunderstood because I can't. It might sound like that sometimes to some people because I can make my playing and ideas cohesive. But for me, it's not about making it sound like a museum of references. It's about being honest. Right now we're sitting in my study where I write most of my music. This is my world. There is a piano I can play on. And there's always sheet paper around to write on. Here's my desk and my computer, where I can put the music into a notation program. I also do a lot of graphic stuff. I make my own covers. I'd never dream of getting somebody else to do it. That would be crazy. I wouldn't have control over it. All this stuff hanging on the walls are notes to myself, things I need to remember. For example, here's a list of great guitarists. I won't read it aloud, but these are people I need to keep in mind and ask if they want to be a part of a project at some point. 
det er jo virkelig en kliché, det der med sådan... It's a cliche to say that I make music even when I sleep. But it's a cliche because it's true for some of us. Der er, ligesom, der, er ligesom et, der er et sted, hvor trommerne bare That's spiller. That's a place where the drums play. Og så er der, så er der ligesom et And sted, hvor de begynder at spille. Where they start playing. Og de skal begynde at spille det på det rigtige tidspunkt. Sådan her. Den store Most del of what I do is figured out here at home. Sitting and thinking things through. Jeg kan sige til lytteren, det er, den, det er en rytme, der hedder Rock 1. Og når jeg så skriver musikken, så er det When så, I compose, gange, I sit at the piano, then I have an idea, and I play on it, until there is a piece of music, that's more or less finished. Så har jeg ligesom bare prøvet mig frem. Jeg har ikke engang lært at spille den endnu selv. Men altså, for mig er det der med, altså komposition. For me, the composition process is multifaceted. It's not just about sitting at the piano and writing notes. It's also about taking responsibility for the form and the whole presentation of the sounds. Og så sidder jeg og ligesom... Then I put it into a music notation program on the computer. Then I mess around with the form instructor until it's just right. And then I figure out what the other instruments are going to play and put all of it in the computer to keep track of everything. And then I have to figure out exactly when stuff should be played. My method is dependent on my own emotional connection. You mean that little pin-up girl, huh? One night I woke up and had dreamt that I had seen a Howard Hawks movie called Monkey Business with Cary Grant and Ginger Rogers. But Ginger Rogers wasn't there. In the movie, in my dream, she was missing. It was so absurd, and then I thought it was a great title if you wrote it all out. So I wrote it down. I dreamt I saw monkey business and Ginger Rogers was missing. Jeg skrev den der sætning ned. I thought that sentence really had something cool about it, and then thought, hey, it fits in nicely with this. In my head, the two things are connected and make sense together. It might not make sense to anyone else, but it does to me. It's actually a gut feeling. There's some internal logic in me that makes it natural and understandable. We just have to end up in a place where things have the right level of complexity. Jeg lyder som en total I sound like a total psychopath. But that's my method. Det er min arbejdsmetode ligesom. Og så siger folk sådan, no, And then people say, Ooh, no one understands what I dreamt I saw a monkey business, but Ginger Rogers was missing means. Well, if you Google monkey business, you'll probably understand at least some of what the phrase means. Det er det samme nummer, ikke? Men vi har ligesom, det, nu, nu er det blevet øh, rimelig weird. 
Jeg vil gerne I want to start something, get something going in people. A lot of people separate their lives from the music they make. If we think that music is a place we go or something we do or make and then go home, then we really misunderstood what it is and what we're supposed to be doing. What you are about to hear is not designed to scare you, but it might. I want to make records where the listener gets a well thought out experience. What turns me on and inspires me is seeing or hearing someone's wild original vision. Something their own and something that they are saying with it. It's really not very jazz-like. The next composer we'll meet has been a major inspiration to Jeppe Seberg, as well as now having influenced multiple generations of Danish musicians, composers and students. The scope of his brain power and musical and mathematical gifts are truly awe-inspiring, and they combine to form one of the most breathtakingly unique and multifaceted capacities in all of music, the one and only Jakob Anderskov. Hong Kong, July 1994. 285 teenagers from all over the world sit together in a sports arena. They sit in straight rows, each at their own desk. It's hot and they can hear wind and rain from the tropical thunderstorm outside. No one speaks in the hall. All eyes are on a large clock on the wall and at one end of a huge room. A clock which shows 11.59. Just one more minute to go. The only human sounds in the room are the occasional muffled coughs from the teens. Some of them are nervous, but they're all focused. One of the boys in the hall is 19 years old and from Denmark. His name is Jakob. Jakob finished in first place at the Danish math competitions last year. And that's what brings him here, to the World Math Olympics. He's competing against some of the sharpest minds from around the world. He's exhausted from jet lag, and the tropical climate doesn't make it any easier to concentrate. He wonders if he should have attended the math training camp instead of the music festival he decided to go just before he flew to compete here. But Jakob has two great passions, and he's actively pursuing them both, math and music. He looks at the envelope on the desk in front of him. Inside are extremely complicated mathematical problems, far beyond the level of any ordinary high school student would be able to solve. But there's nothing ordinary about Jakob. 
The clock on the wall strikes 12, and an adult voice over a loudspeaker tells them that it's time to start. Jakob and the 284 other competitors all open their envelopes at the same time. Over the next four hours, Jakob will show the mathletes of the world what he can do. Jakob Anderskov did just fine at the Math Olympics. He didn't win gold there, and in general, what we think of as math wouldn't necessarily remain his focus or primary passion. Today, roughly 20 years after the scene in the arena in Hong Kong, we find him here. We are on my kontor på Rhythmisk Music Conservatorium på Holmen. Through the window, there's a view of Copenhagen's harbor, where a huge triple-masted ship is moored. Piles of sheet music and books cover his desk. A variety of musical scores are tacked to the bulletin board. Some of them use graphic notation, not what lay people would recognize as regular musical notes, but rather odd lines and strange characters. Some of the lines form circles. Much of the space in the small office is occupied by a grand piano also covered by piles and layers of sheet music books and loose pages. Jakob Anderskov is a musician and composer, and thus not a professor of mathematics as one might have assumed having met him or even hearing about him in his youth. But there's something almost scientific about him. And he is, in fact, a professor. A professor of music here at the Rhythmic Music Conservatory. The present moment becomes broad or becomes extended. His approach to creating music is by no means solely based on intuition. Eternity can be a potential property of of the moment rather than a duration in time. There are ideas which he likes to formulate in precise, logical language. When I became a musician, I had expected that now I would say goodbye to the part of myself that was this curiosity about science. But later on, I realized that many decisions in both fields have, of course, differences, but also a lot of um, similarities, like uh, there's something about structuring systems or structuring principles that on, on some level is, is similar. Not to say that I'm basing my music on mathematics, but it's uh, consciousness about what what frames what uh, operating principles the work go by. Jakob Anderskov possesses a very special ability to think theoretically, creating incredibly complex musical frameworks and structures. Experiencing a strong intuitive and emotional reaction when I play music is important to me, otherwise I wouldn't be a musician. 
But that doesn't mean that there are not uh, any considerations taking place while making music. We are in the mountains. It's foggy. Something appears and slowly unfolds. It shows out to be an elegy of the way our accelerating society fails to practice the kind of listening, listening to each other's listening to our background and to reality. The listening that is a needed condition for us to keep an open society in the future. The deeper meaning that I experience in music is of a different kind and maybe also a different depth than what I experience with many other things I'm interested in whether it be philosophy or science. It uh, resonates with me in a, in a deeper way. Several of Jakob Anderskov's major works have been created here at the conservatory. So part of my position uh, is to do uh, artistic research projects where I make music and uh, create knowledge based on an investigative approach to, to art. And also I have obligations about reporting and sharing that uh, knowledge and the knowledge creation process. First, he makes a statement, formulating a problem. Next, he composes the music and then records and documents it. It also includes a critical reflection on how I have worked and why I've worked that way, how I see the music in relation to the world or other art. So it's a, generally an articulation of what is taking place in the artistic practice. And finally, he writes a report. He explains what he has discovered and determined, all in great detail. For instance, uh, the album I made that's called Resonance. I decided very early that that musicians with a background in European classical music should meet uh, improvising musicians. I was interested in investigating how these two different um, cultures could meet and create a mutual musical universe. Um, not just one of them uh, having the power or the definition, or, but both of them interacting equally in a, in a third domain. His project, album and experiment, Resonance, explores a rendezvous between jazz and classical music more specifically the fixed steady pulse of jazz and the more fluid tidal tempos of classical music represented here by violin, viola and cello. I was stranded on an island without the regular kinds of contact to the surrounding world. The extreme situation brought me to hallucinating. I imagined a way in which vast string sound would grow out of just one low note in the piano. Like a 
distorted unfolding of the possibilities in the core of the piano. And then the piano and the drums dancing a ritual dance around this sonic fatamorgana. The hallucination dictated the remaining form. I wrote it down on the last piece of paper I had left. The name of the island was Manhattan. I see my work as rather expressive, um, but not necessarily in a way where there's one correct emotional response. It's more open-ended kind of expressivity. I imagine a pull into the instant moment of the music. When you look at my entire work or my entire process, I, I hope that you sense the, the presence in the music as a way of listening, as a, as a way of being present in the world where your awareness or sensations of reality suddenly becomes magnified. Even though it's improvised, it's not just based on, on purely off the top of your head. Um, and at the same time, I, I hope that you can feel an emotional and a spiritual layer in it. That there's a meaning behind it all. Saying that is quite easy, but but actually experiencing it is is not simple. And actually hearing it is hopefully more than just talking about it. I think of music as reaching out for what is larger than us. Music reaching or pointing towards that part of us that is bigger than us that our personality or even our culture is part of a nature, that the collective is ingrained or integrated in what it means to be an individual. Or as the famous Danish poet Inger Christensen says, when we look at the world, it's also life that wants to see itself, which means we, our life that sees itself. Holly Wallace, Jeppe Seberg, and Jakob Anderskov. Three uniquely different people and musical personalities, each with their own approach to playing and composing. Despite their differences, they are all connected through love and dedication to the music we all, sometimes for a lack of a better word, call jazz. Each of them has set a high standard for themselves and those around them and has an impressive work ethic. Well, maybe ethic isn't quite the right word. Passion is more like it. Passion and dedication. I actually don't think that Oli, Jeppe or Jakob can or will ever stop making, thinking and living music. 
None of them is blinded or consumed by a drive to find a single universal creative solution. And none of them is interested in closing doors in the music. Rather, they work, each in their own ways, to open doors to the next great challenge, the next great discovery and adventure. And nothing could be more in the original spirit of jazz, as we've learned time and time again throughout our story. This was the penultimate episode of Dangerous Sounds. In the next and final episode, we'll bring our story to its conclusion at two legendary venues that helped shape the sound of Danish jazz in the early 21st century. I'm talking about Christiania's Jazz Club and the Monday Club. Two places where anything can and does happen. And what would be the most important meeting places and experimental laboratories for a generation of free thinkers and risk takers in Danish jazz. Sounds dangerous, right? Dangerous Sounds is produced by Mano Mano and distributed by WRTI Philadelphia. Creston Osgood is the host, with narrator Joan as policewoman. Special thanks to Eva Frost at Jazz Denmark, project manager Sue Edwards, and Josh Jackson from WRTI. Learn more about our mission to champion music as a vital cultural resource. Visit WRTI.org.